0: Technology is the way of the future and data and information and intelligence is the way to go, right? So how do we get this intelligence to law enforcement agencies and and private entity so that they can use it to combat human trafficking?
1: David and Sal, welcome to State House with Frank Santos. Uh, thank you all for being here today. We're going to tackle a tough subject: human trafficking, which um, is uh, obviously a, a huge domestic and international issue. We have an, an expert with us today. We'll talk about. Uh, we'll let Sal uh, uh, talk to his talk to us about what he does um, with a, a company called Deliver Fund, and explain more about that in a, in a second. Um, The state of texas is dealing with this issue um not only human trafficking but drug trafficking and trying to deal with what's happening at the border Uh, governor abbott's throwing everything he has at it um but without um federal intervention at the border we're having you know a a horrible issue uh particularly in cities like where you you used to live in el paso uh, but everything along the border is um, is having these issues. But uh, before we get there, um, I want to talk a little bit about what you do, David, with uh, uh, the two organizations that you're a part of. You raise funds for uh, both for um, SEAL families, uh, supporting SEAL families, and also with regard to uh, human trafficking uh, in Texas.
2: Sure. Sure. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for having us again. And thanks, Sal, for coming. Um, Yeah, so I I stood up a foundation called the Warrior National Foundation that uh, the majority of what we do is to support heroes and fight trafficking. Um, A lot of what we do goes to the SEAL Legacy Foundation as well as we have, you know, branched off a little to do some things through Warrior National with University of Texas, University of Pennsylvania for scholarships for special operations uh, operators that come back and seek an MBA, um, and then, uh, really, it's not me, but my wife, who is really engaged um, in the fight, not necessarily against trafficking, but she works for an organization uh, here in Austin that um, provides therapy and uh, to girls rescued from sex trafficking. So we've been in and around it, uh, unfortunately, and I guess, fortunately, um, she's doing a great job at it, but to your earlier intro uh, unfortunately it's a it's a really big epidemic in in our country and specifically here in texas which is what we're what we're here talking about right um in the state of texas alone there's seventy nine thousand girls being trafficked for sex girls between the ages of 12 and 19 i think is roughly it i might be off 12 and 18 or 12 and 19 but 79,000 girls, and that came from a a study done by the University of Texas. Um, 79,000 girls in Texas? Correct. Alone? Correct. In the state of Texas, 79,000 girls between 12 and 19 are being trafficked for sex. So uh, these are not girls that are coming from other countries. Um, These are girls that uh, might be displaced from the foster system. They might be girls that were lured into trafficking by um um gangs uh you know bad actors pimps traffickers here in the u.s and and we'll let sal really talk about it because it's what he does but it's how i met sal so we've um through what we do at warrior national in a one event a year that that raises uh support for navy seal families we've met a lot of team guys um frank and i did an episode with With one of them here recently and um i've got a great intro from from one of those guys to sal hernandez here who who came in and and we met because sal is kind of on the different side right of trying to come up with a with a plan to help law enforcement agencies um in the in the fight against traffickers, right? Tracking traffickers. And again, we'll turn it over to him, but yeah, but I was fortunate to meet these guys and learn about what they're doing and we'll let him speak to that. But, but it's really cool what they're doing. And uh, like I said, it's, it's an epidemic. It's not a problem. It's growing. Unfortunately, the, the commodity that, that they use is, um, you know, it's, they can sell it over and over again, right? It's not like a drug that uh, is used and it's gone. They can, they can go kidnap a girl and and sell her over and over and over and over for sex. And, you know, we'll come, I think we'll come back to it, but, and Sal will speak to it too, but it's clearly there's some, there's some uh, connections between drugs and and trafficking. They, you know, a lot of the traffickers use drugs when they kidnap girls uh, here in the States. They'll shoot them full of heroin or whatever it is that they do, uh, heroin or other drugs to get them hooked on it and also to sedate them while they're being uh, sold for sex so God, it's awful. man it's the it's the worst of the worst of the worst yeah. actors and it's it's here in the U.S it's here in Texas Texas is a, is unfortunately among the worst states in our country for the number of of children being trafficked and for humans being trafficked and kind of leading into Sal here but again yeah. he really he really knows more about it and is on the front lines of this and his organization uh, the deliver fund will Let's turn it over to him now and let him talk about it. But they're just doing some really incredible stuff. And, uh, man, our community and our country and our state are lucky to have Sal and his group doing what they're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sal, you know, I've I, I read you're the director of North America Operations for Deliver Fund. And, um, you know, you've been you were in Naval Intelligence for a long time. And now you use your skills uh, to help this uh, this group. Um and and i read on your website hunt down these folks and 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 deliver the uh, intelligence to u.s law enforcement to help capture these folks
0: yeah that's that's correct frank thank you first and foremost so much for for having me um i think as you guys are fully aware anybody out there that's listening right there's a shift in the way things are happening now from a criminal perspective right it used to be that you know these large scale operations whether it'd been the mob or the cartel or even any of these human trafficking networks, everything's really changing. And what was a traditional approach of conventional huge operations are now turning into more of a technology based operation. Right. And so we've realized this, right. We realized it in the fight against uh, terrorism, which is why deliver fund exists because when our founder um, came back or was going overseas and was running into human, very, very apparent human trafficking, and anybody, whether it had been on the SEAL teams, conventional army units, marine units, were out there, they saw, right, some, most of the time young boys being trafficked, right, for mm-hmm. the purposes of sexual exploitation. When that intelligence was being passed along to leaders, right, you got one of two things. That's not our mission, and two, I wouldn't even know where to begin and what to do with that intelligence. So our founder, Nick McKinley, who's a former PJ, right, from the Air Force, um, during his time at the CIA, right, he took those concerns to his to his leadership and they're like, well, that's not our mission. And even if it was, we don't know what to do with it, right? right? And so he said, there's no way that I'm going to go home and this be the case that, because I know there's human trafficking back in the United States, so let me go back and figure out what agency takes care of it. Well, what did he come back to find out that even when the states, right, there's no agency that Same exists yeah. that tackles human trafficking, right? It's all incredible uh, organizations like like your wife's organization, private organizations that take these these victims in and help them along the way. But there's really no proactive approach to combat human trafficking. So he knew that he didn't want to take federal money, right? Because right, I was in the military, so I know how the federal government strings. works. Right, there's <laughs> strings attached. So he said, I'll start a nonprofit because I know there's people out there like David, like yourself, Frank, that want to make a difference. And even if they can't give us a million dollars, they can give me something to get it started so we can really take effective steps to combat human trafficking. And so that's why the Deliver Fund exists, because there was really no government agency. right? We always tell people, right, there's a DEA, there's an ATF, and there's millions of dollars that are spent on those organizations and you probably have all three three of those things in your car right now. Right? <laughs> Tobacco, alcohol, and guns. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And but there's just no single entity that exists that proactively tackles human trafficking. So there's a lot of groups out there, but we wanted to be different in the sense that we took a proactive approach and we switched the focus from making all these arrests of guys that are going out and purchasing sex to Who are the traffickers? Who are the guys who are, right, preying on, right, it's sad, but they take them as commodities, 12- to 16-year-old girls, right, because that's the prime age where a girl's going to say online, I'm mad at my dad, right, and all they're doing is just waiting for the opportunity to say, well, I'll meet up with you, I'll take care of you, right, Um, I'm sorry that your dad's being a jerk, and then they take that opportunity to come in and take over um, but it's a commodity business to them, so that's who they're going after, right? So we were—we don't care about those guys that are purchasing. We care about the guys that are recruiting. Yeah. And then on a large scale, making huge amounts of money, right? I'm talking about in the hundreds of thousands. That's what people don't understand. It's, it's a big reward for something that they're not going to get punished for, more than likely, which is why it's a problem now, right? Why the refuge had to be built, because people are making a ton of money with no risk involved. Because there's always a victim, and as they say, right in the in the in the trafficking world, a victim today is not a victim tomorrow. Meaning, I know if I get busted right now, and the justice system takes three years to punish me, that victim two years from now is not going to want to talk anymore. So I'll get away with it. There's no risk involved. How are they? How are they
1: getting? How are they recruiting these girls? I mean, you mentioned a little bit of it. So you have sort of a. you know that age where where girls are and i'm assuming this it's 90 something percent girls and not not boys uh, like it is in other countries or in in some of the countries you've been in um and then nick were and that nick was in but so these girls are in a vulnerable place in their life because they're having some family issues or something and 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 then how are they recruited? I mean, you know, what what's the what's the process that's making it so easy?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I think there's a misconception here that right, some guy in a in a white van is pulling up to your neighborhood and, you know, selling candy or whatever, but because it's such an unprecedented time where a 40-year-old man, right, that has bad intentions and this is his business, now no longer has to get in a van or even do any recruitment at the mall. He just waits online. So Right, we're we're do, we're going through a process right now at Deliver Fund where we're kind of going through all of the Department of Justice, um, not affidavits, but press releases about pressing charges on so on and so forth, and the majority I've been reading are all guys that are going out and recruiting girls on TikTok, on any of your right prominent uh, social media platforms because. They have a capability of direct messaging. And just like all of us, we all live our lives online now. Yeah. So whether you're mad, happy, angry, right, frustrated, it's all going online. And these guys are just like sales guys, right? They know that they're going to they're gonna send 100 messages out, and maybe they'll get one that comes back, but that's all they need. That's all they need. Right. That's all they need. And if they do it every day, right, in a week, they can get seven, seven people to respond right and so the recruitment's really changed from right a street level thing where you see girls walking up and down the street still happens but it's now the, the technology's really influenced it in a huge way so they just really wait for the teenage girls majority of them like you mentioned to have a vulnerable moment and then that's when they come in and just over time right to them it doesn't matter if it's going to take them a year to groom this person to get them to get them to an age of 17 or 18 to where they come out of that situation and then right that's when they pick them up but yeah i mean that's that's your primary method now
1: and then you're and then you know once they're in you know you've you've essentially ruined their life and and trying to get them out of that uh to a normal life again is you know is what you know monica monica's group does and and that's that's the tough part i mean yeah well that's
0: know. a tough that's a tough part one because Like, you know, it's sad to talk about them like commodities, but right. It's almost like I always tell it's it's almost like gymnastics, like to be an elite gymnast. It's in your younger ages. Once you pass the age of 18. Right. You've done everything you can. And what do you do with the rest of your life after being trafficked? Right. And there's just not enough out there. There's not enough help from the federal government, from state governments for places like the refuge that are actually doing the work that nobody's willing to do because it's such a tough topic, right? Yeah. And so there's just not enough organization. So I always, I always tell David that, right? Like the military is very good at it because they have a very good relationship with private and public industry, right? So if you want a new jet, guess what? The Navy's not going to make it because Sal's not smart enough, right? Judson's not smart enough, but guess who is, right? Northrop Grumman, right? They have guys that went to MIT that can develop all this stuff and they have a good relationship but at the state level with local law enforcement there's not that connection. So, you know, law enforcement agencies aren't looking for North or Grumman to develop intelligence products for them so they can hunt down, right, traffickers. But
1: well, there's right? no, you know, and I hate to say it this way, but there's no uh there's no business model for a company to develop something to help law enforcement. And so you have to do it the way you guys are doing it as a a charitable organization and as a you know way to deliver fund is set up in order to to do it. I mean otherwise you know there's really nobody out there that's going to I never thought of it that way, yeah. but that's that's amazing. So you guys um are are there other people out there that do similar work or are you got are you sort of alone in this area?
0: This? Sure. I th- I think yes, there is. There's a, so the majority of the trafficking industry is service oriented so i would say that 90 to 95% is something like the refuge where they're either getting them on the back end after a traumatic experience helping them kind of transition back into normal life and there's organizations that have popped up out there right that do really great work but the problem is is that they're dipping their toes into what police is really good at and that's investigations and then rescuing girls and going in and you know doing cool guy stuff which is incredible uh, yeah but it's illegal Like, you know, I can't, like, justify somebody saying, go out and rescue this girl. You know, it's illegal. That's what we have police officers for, and they're really good at it. Law enforcement agencies are good at that and doing investigations. But what's unique about us is we're very tech-oriented because we know the way of the future is data. And what do we have really good of is data from really, really experienced, not only law enforcement officers, but folks like myself that are were in the intelligence community attached to special operations units but also from the CIA right and so we have we bring a wealth of expertise as what intelligence do we need to gather on certain individuals and in making it available not only to law enforcement agencies but also to to private entities cuz what we've seen is a real connection between hotels right car rental places so on and so forth so everything that touches business touches trafficking at some point so we really what we really want to do is equip all of these organizations, whether it be a law enforcement or right, a huge major hotel, right, with this information. So if you show up to a hotel, right, and Sal Hernandez is a trafficker and they run my credit card and there's it pops up, right? Just like any credit score thing would show you, it'd say, Hey, he's attached somehow to human trafficking, we can't we can't do business with you. Well why? Well cuz you came up on the you flagged on this human trafficking list.
1: Does that same information get to uh, law enforcement so that they could they could track him or is it not quite there yet?
0: Not there yet. Not there yet. Not there yet, right? So that's that's the other big gap is right there is no single right information intelligence system that would tell a law enforcement agent in Florida that someone in Washington is connected to human trafficking. Yeah. Right. And not even within their RMS systems which are the systems that police officers would use, right? Databases that say, well, if someone's convicted in this state, then I'm going to bust them in this state. But even that's a very broken, there's 20,000 um, or 18,000 plus law enforcement agencies across the United States. And you can imagine, right? None of them do anything the same way. Yeah. Right. Well, that's and, pretty,
1: yeah. that's very, And that's pretty typical. You know, yeah. I've worked, I've worked all over the United States for different companies and um, in the, in the government world, um, political world, but you can just count on it not being the same if you go from one state to another, one county to another, you know. Correct. Um, Some are, and most of them are not very high tech, you know, so it's pretty much, you know, back in the stone age, you know, chiseling on a piece of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, so
0: we really, what we really wanted to do is, you know, obviously in the special operations community, right, when you say, hey, I need this, Right. Most, most people in government, federal government are like, well, here's your stack of money. Do what you need to do. Right. Not so much for law enforcement, but we really wanted to do is right. Start pushing that technology is the way of the future and data and information and intelligence is the way to go. Right. So how do we get this intelligence to law enforcement agencies and, and private entity so that they can use it to combat human trafficking? Um, because right the big thing is is that right like salesforce the crm yeah right fortune 500 companies they know that they know to run an efficient large business they need something that brings all of the intelligence business intelligence right. together but law enforcement doesn't operate like that cuz it's not a business that's right and it doesn't operate so that's what we were trying to do so in texas um
1: how successful have you been uh really connecting with law enforcement and and you know, kind of where is it? Where where are we in the process of that? Because you know, we're we'll get into the border in a second because I, I want to know a little bit about how that is affecting everything else that's going on. I mean, all those resources you've got, you know, it it, it doesn't it makes complete sense is what I meant to say that there isn't um, a big focus on human trafficking because there's so much else going on, which is awful to think that you would just say, well, we we'll get to that when we can, but Really, uh, you know, so how's the success been with the uh, law enforcement in, in Texas, both, I guess, statewide and locally?
0: Sure, I th- you know, I think to us, success is relative, right? Because mm. anytime, you know, we get an opportunity to work with another law enforcement agency, it's a success to us. But from the strategic perspective of where, you know, we visualize this going, it's not going very well, mm. right? Uh, David will know, right, with his experience with his wife, Monica, when you start getting into innovation from the private sector, going into the public sector, there's a lot of strings and there's a lot of red tape that you have to get through to actually get to the right people that can make decisions that are going to impact your organization. That being said, right, every no matter what it is, whether it's a local law enforcement department or a federal state, we run across to that every, everywhere you go. And it's a matter of, you know, what what kind of guts do you have to continue the fight, Yeah. right? Because it's just not going well. Well, let me, you know, uh, so you,
1: so that's what I figured you were going to say. It's kind of, that's sort of typical of, of um, how government works. And I, and I've been doing this for 30 years. So, and a, a lot of different types of organizations trying to get the attention of state government because state government has the resources, right? right? They have the people, they have the resources, they have the operations, but um, maybe not the vision all uh, all the time. And so I know what a lot of people do, and I I don't know if you've done this before, is, uh, and I've actually been, you know, hired to do this many times, is that is to get the attention of state government. Figure out how, you know, to bring this issue to the forefront so that they will fund it um, in some way, uh, whatever, you know, sometimes it's baby steps. Uh, but if, have have you ever had that kind of uh, experience? Have you all ever pushed, a, you know, that kind of a legislative push to see if are, are there are people in state government right now that are working with you?
0: Sure. So n- not that I can throw a name out, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. I think because it's such a sensitive topic, especially yeah. when you come up on election season, right? There's always... Some push to hey yeah yeah we're we're in but just wait till after this election process right and then, right so by the time that happens and they end up forgetting about it but I think right and
2: why, and why is it a sensitive topic why is it a sensitive topic I mean I don't know girls are being trafficked for yeah. sex no you're right
0: and
1: I well and I don't know if it's you know maybe it's not sensitive but yeah. I I think the the maybe the word is it's um it's it's a tough topic that right. I think a lot of policymakers probably feel like. They don't know what to do about, so they don't want to make too big of a commitment. Sure. This is my guess, okay, just right. working with, with policymakers. They don't want to make too big of a commitment
2: because then they can't go back. It's too and, daunting, right? They it's, know they're it's not going to impact anything. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: yeah I, think, I think we get a lot of buy-in uh, at election season, right? But then to your point that you made earlier, then all these other things start happening. Border security, right? Narcotics, right? Whatever, domestic abuse, whatever it be, and then all of those things get... Right. All the attention. And then unfortunately, at the end of it, right, you're left with Deliver Fund and the Refuge having to pick up the pieces for a system that, you know, in my opinion, is broken. And then all those pieces are left over to private companies that are just fighting for donors out there. Yeah. Right. And the big thing for us. Right. And I know it's the same thing for the Refuge is we really rely on private donations because then we can really innovate the way we see fit. Yeah. without strings attached. But what we do need from legislature is for them to start thinking innovatively. Okay. These things aren't working. You know, wh- who could we go out to out there? That's going to give us the best jet. Right. And this is, is, is intelligence and information. Yeah. Well, who does it the best, right? You know, any company, right. Whether it be, well, outside of Google, but right. Someone huge like Walmart, they don't, they don't, they're not in the business of analytics. So where do they go? They go to another private industry another that does it really yeah. well. And so we just want legislation to say, look, these folks are doing it really well. They might not be perfect at it, but they have an innovative solution that can work both for law enforcement and for private entity.
1: So without mentioning names or anything, um, uh, do you expect there's going to be that kind of any kind of push this session for some help on that?
0: Not that I'm aware of. Not no. that
1: you're aware of. No. OK.
0: Okay. I, think- I mean, they're, they're, I think they're already doing it. Um, but like I mentioned, most of those funds rightly so, because they're the ones that have to pick up the pieces or going to the service, right? Like the refuge, because they're the ones that have to pick up the broken pieces. Right. And unfortunately that's victims of human trafficking to rebuild their lives, but really nobody's taking the approach of let's get out in front of on the front end. Correct.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, so we're, we, we're kind of talking, I think we threw some Sal mentioned, you know look it's not if you look at it overall it's not going well right but it's kind of hey one child at a time one american at a time approach right hey we're gonna we're gonna build a case and get one trafficker off the street right i mean i, I mean can you speak to the wins you've had right because i know you guys i mean if you looked at a 12 month period right you guys have uh, assisted law enforcement agencies in getting traffickers off the street right no, yeah yeah so Thank let's you. talk about the success no no because yeah they're really you know the if you look at if you widen the lens and say hey there's 79,000 girls right well we got to start somewhere we yeah. gotta we got to rehabilitate 50 of them we've got to how many traffickers are trafficking in those 79,000 girls well, let's get one of them off yeah. the street tomorrow and, and keep it going. Yeah, right.
0: no, no, thank you for yeah. that. Because, you know, you, you work in this business long enough, you start getting cynical about everything <laughs> and <laughs> then right. you have really I high understand. standards of operation, right? So you start, no, no, I want everything to be perfect. Yeah, yeah no, thank you. I, I think once we are able to build relationships with these law enforcement agencies, the sky's the limit, um, you're right? I've been embedded down at the Houston, uh, with Houston Police Department and the uh, Human Trafficking Rescue Alliance which is one of the largest human trafficking task forces in the country. Um, and so what they did was something super innovative. What they did is they said, okay, we'll bring Sal in as an intelligence analyst to help us identify, right, and gather intelligence. And then I'm right there on the spot where I can just hand, right, intelligence uh, reports to them, right? What they do is then they vet it with their, with, within their own intelligence process. And then, right, the investigators there go out and action that intelligence, And so, yes, there has been a ton of wins. So, right, we've seen things where there's traffickers that are trafficking underage girls that are from Texas. They end up, you know, in Florida for large events like this one specifically. I'll I'll give you an instance. So we had a guy in Texas who's been right convicted and has accepted charges. So this guy traveled from Texas to Florida for WrestleMania, right? Believe it or not, grown men still like WrestleMania. It's weird. but. (laughs) Yeah, so he was, he was at WrestleMania in Florida. He got pulled over during an operation, and it just happened that we were supporting that operation in person with one of our analysts, who was a former law enforcement officer. And he called me from Florida, and he said, hey, we just pulled over this guy, and his name is so-and-so. Do you know who he is? And I'm not kidding you. I literally, two weeks before, did an intelligence package on the guy because one of the investigators in Houston said, this girl came and told me that this was her, her trafficker. And so that's ideal how we want this to function. Is someone in Florida can call me, and within a matter of minutes, we said, "Yeah, absolutely. I know who that is. Here's his intelligence package," and they convicted the guy in less than two months that's because awesome. he was he was taking girls across state lines for the purposes of selling them for sex. Yeah, which is a federal felony. Which correct?
1: is it's great because then you it's can great. get him big. Oh, yeah. he
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, they were underage. He's going away. Yeah, and he's going to go away for a long time, but. Right, little things like that. And that's we've, huge. we've had huge wins, right? With once we get in and people are willing to accept like the innovation, sky's the limit. And we have a ton of wins. It's just really hard. Yeah. Because it would be a lot easier if right, the governor was like, Yeah, deliver fun, buy it. Or not buy it, but buy into it. Buy into yeah. it. Yeah. Buy into right. it. Right. Cause that's why we have private donors. So yeah. there's no strings attached. We can just say, Hey, we're doing this. Because private citizens of this country were willing to f- combat human trafficking. Yeah. But if but you're building that-, that network, I mean yeah.
1: that kind of a network is invaluable. I mean, that will pay dividends for getting these these scumbags off the street, you know, over and over and over again as time goes on. So it's yeah, it's blocks here and block and tackle, but you know, you guys are doing it. And yeah. and um yeah I you know the more that can be done and and um, I'm actually gonna you know you, you've kind of got my my juices flowing now, sure. so I'm gonna look into it this session and see what's going on because it's it's really kind of surprising to me that I don't hear more about it um, at the legislative level, particularly when we're talking about things like that are so huge, and I guess it's a little easier to get your arms around an issue like the the border. you know, the pictures are there. Yeah, thousands of people, you know, that are or hundreds and thousands of people coming across the border, and so it's kind of you can visualize it, and it's you can you can, uh, um, you know, it's easier for people to say, okay, we got to do something about that, which we do. I mean, it's a it's a a serious problem, and without federal intervention, it's just a becomes a state issue, and we don't have the resources to deal with that. But tell me about. does the does the the porous border of issue of impact what y'all are doing does it impact human trafficking in and in, in what way
0: sure yeah no so th- that's a great question because i i think right i always find myself ca- kind of clarifying this on the on the front end so yes to answer your question simply yes but it's not so much from a human capital perspective right it's more so the illicit drugs that are coming across the border right and then i'll tell you how that is so don't quote me on the numbers but i'm i think i'm getting pretty close 75% of human trafficking in the united states is done domestically so that's us girls and boys wow right not people from mexico central america south america it is specifically 75% plus us domestic boys and girls which to me when I heard that statistic, I was like, uh, "That
1: surprises I me." I live
0: in the greatest country in the uni- in the world, and we have the biggest problem because there's the biggest amounts of money, like disposable income, yeah. right? And so, but the place where the border comes into to to play is, right? These folks come across, whether it be legally, illegally, get through the process of refuge status, and then what are they? They're still commodities in their eyes. So they don't even have to worry about recruitment at the border. They just wait. I know at some point she's going to end up in a foster home. I know she's going to end up right in at the refuge somehow. And then what do I do? I just wait and recruit from there. Right? So it's not a direct impact where they're coming across and they're just sitting there like, "Hey, you want to you want to do this human trafficking thing?" It's, "We'll wait it out because they're going to hit the system at some point." Yeah. And then what are those those are vulnerable communities where it's very easy, right? New cool. to the country. Low, knowing low to no income, low to no education. Right. Once they get access to to social media, then that's when they really start recruitment. And then the other thing is the drug part. Yeah. Right. Is oftentimes right as a form of control. These traffickers, right? Uh, David referred to them as pimps. Right. They're still pimps. Yeah. Right. They'll use, just use it as a control mechanism. You give a girl right a prescription pill. Get her addicted to something and then it goes from that into into more right illicit drugs like heroin.
1: And you can't separate from that
0: your your yeah. your
1: trafficker or pimp. It's yeah, like you're hooked on the drug or whatever they're providing for Correct. you.
0: And then unfortunately he knows that this is a means to control, so he can just like divvy out what he wants, right? And then right, it leaves right a, a victim in what kind of situation. I think yeah. a lot
1: of people are gonna be surprised to hear that. It doesn't start on the other side of the border. Yeah, I mean they they're getting being here and coming across. Yes, is a problem, but really the problem is is here. It doesn't begin until they get into our system here, and then they, you know, whatever happens to them, they're going to fall through the cracks. You know, they they come over with nothing. You know, so yes, they they become vulnerable to these, you know, to these predators and and they they know exactly and it's it's interesting too because really no matter how uh, you know how poor you are or uh, disadvantaged you are you normally have access to some kind of technology like a phone that's correct which is crazy yeah. because that's exactly how they get you right and so i think it's going to surprise a lot of people to hear that that's, that's really what, you know, they're just waiting. They're kind of, they, they have them corralled in yeah. the U.S. and then they just start to fish.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think one of the things that will surprise you, and maybe David can speak more to this because Monica will be more familiar with the population, but, right, I think what's starting to become more apparent to legislation and just everybody in general is that, to your point, it's not just poor people, Yeah. right? Like, it, it's all, it's everything. It's middle class, it's high class, so on and so forth that, has access to technology. And if you have access to technology to include ourselves, you can be the victim of anything. Fraud, right? Coercion, human yeah. trafficking, right? And so that's what's really starting to get people's attention. That's
1: a that's a really good point because, you know, when I said, when I was speaking to that, I was thinking of all of the young girls that are coming across, but that's, that's a, just a portion of, of the, the girls that are being trafficked, it's people that are living in this neighborhood, or you know, if they have a young girl, and you know, you just never know when that that could happen. So it's not it's not really relegated to just one type of socioeconomic class or whatever. You know, you're it's anybody's That's any girl or boy, I guess. Yeah, too. yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's very very low numbers, but yeah, there is there is the trafficking of boys, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, it's not talked about as much, but the majority is girls and right. What they bank on is that there's always going to be teenage girls. Yeah. And
1: so, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, one of the things that, that we've been working on, which, you know, the reason I asked you about the border too, because one of the things that we've worked on is um, we're trying to help the state. The state is one of the things they really have taken on is um, a program for, and, and this will seem a little bit, a tangent, but but there's a connection. Um, they have a program for a uh, compassionate use program for people that have medical needs to use cannabis. And, you know, typically what we found from past sessions is that there's always an effort to just try to expand the program. And, um, you know, I would say kind of clumsy, um, a clumsy way of doing it. Um, but since we've been working on this issue, you know, we've sort of we're digging down a lot deeper, and we're trying to figure out. Okay, really, we want to create a program, a medical program, that's safe and effective for patients. And one of the key things that we've been talking about is, is, um, and and it would it would play some role, a small role, maybe. But um, we know the illicit drugs are coming across the border. We know fentanyl's huge. We know that. Um, there's a lot of adulteration of of different drugs that come across the border and one of the problems that texas is dealing with right now and they're going to try to fix this legislative session is that you have a program a medical program for people that um, don't have very good access to the product and so what what uh, what we're saying and you know I wouldn't I can't say i have Proof of it, but I think I'm. I think I'm right. Okay, I think I'm right. Um, a lot of those people that can't afford it or get access to it, they're going to go find it if they need it and they have a condition and they need relief. They're going to go find it, and it's going to be in the illicit market. Um, I think that's probably a given, um, and it's going to be cheaper. So, what we're what we're trying to do is all that. Trafficking that's coming across and drug trafficking that's coming across is trying to figure out ways to make the program so that you have really strong um, uh, guidelines around that program, so that when someone is uh, in need of that product, that you don't get any of the illicit or adulterated products, and um, and so you know part of what we th- we see happening is because of all the activity that's going on in in human trafficking and drug trafficking and everything else that the just the criminal activity in in general is um, you know we don't know what the exact impact is in the state of Texas we know it's bad um, we know people are just roaming around the streets in El Paso your your old hometown yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because there's, everything's overloaded. And so this session they're going to be dealing with that. and I feel, I feel like the, that, that the issues of drugs and trafficking, human trafficking, all these things they're all connected in some way. Uh, tell me your, tell me a little bit of your thoughts on that. Am I, am I hitting the right notes on that? or
0: yeah, I mean I mean any I think you guys know very well that any illicit activity, criminal activity is a nexus to the next one, right? Oftentimes, I always tell right the investigators, I'm like, look, I know for sure he's a human trafficker, but I'm sure if you go and pull him over right now, he's going to have illicit drugs. He's going to have an illegal weapon that's not permitted, and you can go down the list. So yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I think, yeah, any criminal activity has a nexus, right? I think what I really admire and respect about what you guys are doing is that it's innovation, yeah. Right. And it and you're not a government agency, you're private citizens with private businesses that are trying to make a difference. And I think, yes, there needs to be a different way of looking at this. And I think it's about time here in Texas, especially because I consider it my my home state, that we take an innovative, innovative approach to make cannabis available to whoever it is that needs it for the purposes of medicinal use. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, I think, yes, when, when you take an innovative approach with guidelines that are reasonable, then I think that, yeah, you will stop, right, a lot of the trafficking. Because just like us, what we're trying to do is how do we funnel all that intelligence to, to law enforcement in the private sector? So when, right, Omni Hotel, which is, right, a top tier hotel, has our intelligence and they're able to say, hey, trafficker you can't stay here well you think police officers are actually doing undercover operations at the omni no No. they're doing it at the motel five so what is he left with he's left with the motel five so well guess who's operating there law enforcement so if we can funnel that information and we start pushing them further and further away there's not going to be any reason for them to come across anymore yeah because there's strict guidelines so
1: so yeah that's exactly what i was i'm glad you said that because that was kind of, that's where we ended up. And that is anything we can do to pull people away from the illicit market, it dries up, you know, these the, any of these criminals doing any kind of trafficking. So like you driving them, you know, away from their, their source of where they would have somebody, you know, trafficked in a hotel, that's what that, you know, that one piece is going to, it's going to help, right? You don't know how much right now, you know, we'll probably someday we'll be able to have real numbers on that. We feel the same way with, you know, developing a program, and we're doing the same thing. You know, it's we want to work. We're working in conjunction, not, you know, trying to uh, circumvent um, any statutes or laws or, or, law enforcement or anything like that. It's like working with them and say, hey, look, these are the things we think would be, um, keep it safe, keep it effective, keep it regulated. Shift these people that are that are, you know, are, are going to go out to either another state. For or just sure. go out in the illicit market yeah. and get get product, and let's let's make it so that with the, what you do have and what you do control, is is uh, the the best medicine they could get. Sure. And um, obviously, you know, in Texas, you have to be uh, recommended by a physician. So there's there's a lot of barriers to this, you know, kind of getting out of control. And that's really kind of how Texas has been from the very beginning. Is it's a very sort of thoughtful, deliberative. Approach to it, even though some, it's driven some people crazy that it's been so um, slow. I guess um, slower than other states. But if you look at the other states, I mean, there some of them are just a, a wreck. Sure, um, they've taken the wrong approach. You know, thinking that they were doing the right thing, and that's what we're trying to do is 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 take those mistakes and not <laughs> not to repeat them here yeah, in Texas. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this has been been really fascinating and I I think um you know maybe later if y'all have had some you know you can uh, you can tell me sort of offline if there's some folks that you've been working with that that have an interest in what you're doing um, it'd be great to follow up with them and see how we can help yeah absolutely I mean we have you know we have our we have our contacts and we have our resources and and you know this is the kind of thing you know I there's a lot of people that would want to work on that issue so um, so anyway, I thank both y'all for, this has been, I think an amazing, uh, amazing episode that I think people are going to really enjoy. And a, a lot of stuff that I didn't even realize about the issue. And I hope maybe we can get you back again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. At
1: some point. And, and, um,
0: no, I think, I think the other thing, right. I'll, I'll share with everyone that's yeah. listening is right. You can go to our deliverfund.org website and there's a ton of facts we put on there, right? There's a ton of resources out there that'll tell you, right? The actual, there's not very many studies that have been done on this issue because it's not like a hot button issue yet. Um, but any of the statistics, if you're, you know, concerned about your children on video games, which is another big problem, right? You can go there and find, right. Those resources that you need to keep them safe to, to make sure you know what they're doing on these, on these chat apps, right. Where they're getting access to, but, uh, you know, uh, also, right. You can go and, help us continue to fight against human trafficking by donating. And then we also just, because we do want to get different revenue streams to help the business grow. We, we started our own coffee business called Thriver's. Um, okay. And so, basically, what we're doing should is, have had
1: some. We put it right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I didn't even think of that. I know they're
0: going to kill me, right? Like I, they're going to be like, "Why didn't we?" We'll, you have a we'll put a picture yeah. up or something yeah, yeah.
1: with all of your information. Yeah, so no, that.
0: and and I think it's just a way that you know we're trying to find creative ways of driving money into the business for the purposes and not of becoming millionaires, but hey, what do we do on the other side to help fund this thing, right? That we're putting yeah. together. And so, yeah, if you want more resources, deliverfund.org. Go there and you fantastic. can find statistics. You can see some of the work we're doing and kind of where the organization's headed in the future.
1: Uh, that's fantastic. And, and we will put... The information up so that you can yeah. people can can go to it because sure. uh, we want to help any way we can and Absolutely. definitely have to get some of that coffee. Yeah, yeah, I'll get some,
0: you guys some bags. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, one, of the, one of the
2: one of the things kind of going out and and we I'll, I'll plug mine at a later date with Frank hopefully, <laughs> but but we have a product coming out where a, a portion of every sale is is going to go to. So we need to line support. them up. Over that's here right. have yeah. a Good one. But support heroes uh, fight trafficking, right? And some of those there's a lot of synergies involved when guys are coming back and getting them to be involved like like Sal, you know he, he he served our country as a naval intelligence guy and now he's back here serving our communities trying to fight trafficking and yeah. get traffickers off the street um, I think one thing I'd like to add if I can just yeah for a of quick course. minute that I think Sal kind of had told me in in another conversation and also Frank that I think is interesting and important for people that are listening right is number one thing to take away from this, right? Trafficking is happening here in the U.S. It is our kids, not kids from other countries, um, and it is very technology driven. So Frank and I, uh, you can't tell if you're watching or if you're listening, we're a little older, right? And Sal is quite a bit younger than us, and he even <laughs> yeah. mentioned, he made a great point um, that that when he was growing up and his parents left and left him at home, hey, I'm running to the store, hey, don't answer the door, right? That was your means of safety. Yeah don't answer the door because in case it's a bad actor well now the bad actors are on social media facebook TikTok, instagram they're on all of them and they've created an avatar and they're acting like they're a friend of a 16 year old and there's a lot of cases and one in particular a friend of mine that that has helped push some good legislation through so there are some people in texas that are making some things happen like hey you can't work at a strip club until you're 21, not 18, or should be 25 maybe. Right. I mean, there's some things that, that they're trying to do. There's, there's some other fights of, of things within the world of pornography. Right. I mean, why is it barely legal? Why is it teens? Why are all these things in all of these mediums that are lending itself to child sex trafficking? That's yeah. what it's, it's what it's pushing them towards. Right. It's right on that boundary. Um, and yeah, I'm not I, but, even
1: sure it's on the boundary. You know, yeah. recently the stuff that was, we've seen on TV on some of the, you know, some of these fashion houses have done these ads that are clearly
2: mm-hmm.
1: focused on, you know, they're trying to, yeah, you know, they're all trying to be, you know, crazier than the next one, right? And so mm-hmm. they have these, but these ads are, are clearly focused on um, young, sexualizing young people, mm-hmm. you know, children. Mm-hmm. And that's a, I mean, it's amazing that that's, Allowed to happen because yep. it's the same thing as putting out
2: child pornography. Yep. To me, yep. it is. Yeah, we need to we need to get back to protecting our kids yeah. and not not teaching them things at an early age. That's a different conversation. Yeah. That. but 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 <laughs> we'll no, I think, I think that's that right. One. I think you know this front door thing. Sal mentioned it, right? So think about your front door. Don't let someone in that you don't know. Don't answer the front door. And what's happening is again these these predators, these traffickers, these pimps, these scumbags. Frank used the word. I I'd use a lot different words, yeah. but I, what I don't know what the rating on Frank's podcast yeah, yeah. is, right? Uh, <laughs> Whatever well, so, won't get us kicked so, off of YouTube. No, So it's, but it, But look, the, Sal makes the point. There, there is a front door on Facebook. There's a front door on Instagram, on TikTok, and they're walking right through it. Yeah. They're there. They are preying on these kids and they don't know it. And Sal's kind of, I think he has a good message to parents, like, listen, you've got to be aware that these people are operating in those, in those mediums, you know, and that's how they recruit. That's how they go in. Great point. I mean, it's, you
1: know, and, and, you know, part of every, part of all these kind of issues. And, you know, when you said it earlier that it's a, that trafficking is a tough issue for people. And I, I, and and Dave was like, how's that a tough issue? But I think, you know, um, a lot of people just want to bury their head and say it's not happening in my house. So I really just, I, I don't want to think about it, but it is. If you're on social media, they're seeing all this stuff, and you know all you got to do is go talk to your kids about it, and they'll tell you. I've talked to my two boys, who are big, both big gamers, and they see it all. And luckily, you know, they know they've never, you know, had any issues sure. and never responded or anything like that. But, um, but enough kids do. Obviously, seventy nine thousand, hmm. you know, uh, girls being trafficked in Texas. I mean, that's it's insane. So great point. And the education side of it is always the the biggest and the hardest hurdle is getting people to just, you know, accept it and start to work on it and not just not, you know, bury their head in the sand and try to ignore it.
0: Sure. Wait, one more soundbite? Yes, sir. Yeah. No. So really, I think I, I wanted to say thank you to both of you. Right. I've I've talked to David a ton about this. Yeah. Right. I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet, but. What you guys are doing specifically for – I'm going to speak for the veteran community as far as pushing the agenda you guys are pushing. Thank you very much, right, because it's been far too long and too many lives have been lost to suicide and homelessness, right, with the veteran population because they went to the VA and they were prescribed controlled substances that went from a pill to heroin – to death, to suicide, whatever it be, to homelessness. And we gotta take a different approach, Yeah, right? Obviously you guys have had people and will have more veterans that are willing to say, hey, I tried this and it's really helped me in this way. I'm not a habitual user, I'm not an abuser. I just need it because it helps me. And yeah. I wanna say thank you because, right? I've seen too many guys, you know, I wear a bracelet of a fellow teammate that committed suicide right and you would think the guy had a perfect life and right whatever demons he was dealing with right I think could have been helped without him having to go into the VA to do whatever it is that they were doing that wasn't working yeah and so thank you very much on on that end because it's very important to me and to a lot of families out there that have lost lost ones loved ones because they became addicted to heroin through prescription medications
1: well I I, I really appreciate you saying that and and you know, it's, it's important. It's important to me. I've got a, uh, a nephew I talked about on but, but previously and he's, he dealt with some demons after he came back from Afghanistan. Um, and you know, and I, and, and it's not just it, it, people, a lot of people have demons. They just keep them inside and you never know. And if they're not getting the help they need, um, uh, it'll lead to something bad, homelessness or suicide or just overdose death, sure. you know? And, um, I guess I have the uh, the advantage of being an old guy now. You know, I used to be a young lobbyist. Now I'm an old guy, and uh, so I, you know, I, I just sort of say what's on my mind. You know, and and uh, when I'm talking to members now, um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm very frank with them. You know, this is not, you know, this is not just an issue of the day. I mean, this is something critically important, and they got to get it right. And yeah, we can't have as you know as many of of our our war heroes and and war fighters coming back and not having any help. Yeah, I think the story we heard from uh, before was, you know, from from one of the uh, the seals that we talked to is that they came back and then you know after they separated from the navy they went home. Uh, they but you know it's kind of like goodbye, you know, thanks for your service. And the next uh, couple of weeks, a box
0: of pills showed up. Yeah, and I that's it. They sending them in a bag now. Yeah. I mean it's earth-friendly. I it's yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> Biodegradable, but yeah. Bag.
1: yeah. yeah. Well, at least it's green. Right. But uh yeah, I mean that's not that's not helping anybody. And and uh and so uh we really do want this to work because it's not you know it's not a panacea. We've said that before for everybody. It doesn't work for everybody, it's not gonna be the same effectiveness, but there's enough people out there it can help. And I'm sorry about your friend. Um, we've heard that story too many times. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and hopefully this is the session where we can get it done and make those changes that we've been 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 trying to work on. And I th- yeah. I think we got some good people out there that want to do it. Some good some good members out there. And um, uh, even at the highest level yeah. of of, the, of uh, Texas government, you know, uh, there's there's promise there. Um, yeah. I think it's just giving them all the right data. Yeah. To, to your point, uh, yeah. to, to help them get to that. Point.
0: And I agree. I want, you know, I'm a Texan, even though I was born in Juarez, but <laughs> I'm a Texan and I want us to be the tip of the spear when it comes to helping veterans, fighting human trafficking, right. Figuring out security in our, in our state as a model to the rest of the United States that innovation can work, but we have to figure out how to work with private entities. hundred percent. Yeah.
2: It's, fu- it's funny. We've Sal talks about innovation, right? It's not a, a big new. Uh, uh, it's not an innov- innovative idea to say, "Hey, given a bottle of pills and a bottle of booze for a guy that may have PTSD, is not going to work." Yeah, right? yeah. Who came up <laughs> so with So we need to admit, you know, it is time for change to push the education of a new program. That might work. Maybe it's maybe it is cannabis. Maybe it's psychedelics. Maybe it's um traditional therapy. Maybe it's a it's, it's exercise. A I don't know what it is, right? Yeah. But it's not go to the liquor store and it's not open the box or the or the biodegradable bag of pills that they <laughs> send you, right? Yeah. It doesn't end well. No. You know, we all know that. Look, alcohol is a depressant. It's people people use it and party and have a good time. But if you're if you're battling demons, yeah. it is don't reach for the bottle. It'll Uh just
1: accent those demons. It'll just make them worse. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, yeah, it it isn't innovative really. Um, I just think, I think, you know, to sort of, you know, wrap it, wrap it up in the, in, in, in a, in a, put a bow on it, it. The Navy and the army and air force and Marines, you know, trying to change that system on what they do for vets coming, you know, separating out of the service is a, is a, is a big, you know, that's a big issue. And trying to get them to change at that level, um, you know, is going to take some enormous amount of work because they're all individual, you know, disciplines. And so I think at the state level, you have an opportunity through either cannabis or through uh, psychedelics, which we know have been very helpful to, uh, to, to people suffering with PTSD, um, doing it right. And 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 being the state that does it correctly for, for patients that need the medicine is 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 how you do it. Make it work, you know. And so we're gonna push it this session and you know, we're gonna be very honest about it and and, and say this, you know, we don't have time, you know. In another two years, when they meet again, if they don't do it, how many more people will have either died? or committed suicide or become homeless or whatever. You know, I'm not saying that this program is going to prevent all that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there is a there is a correlation and and whatever we can do in this
2: program is going to help. Sure. It is going to help. So um there's a there is a study we can refre- we can reference mm-hmm. with with um and I know we're wrapping up but there's there is a study that shows when medical cannabis is made available to patients in states where the program is legal that opioid use within that community goes down yeah i think that in itself right is a move in the right direction
1: well you know for for people with pain and my my brother's a physician and i talked to him a lot about this the whole issue of chronic pain it's going to be an issue it's going to come up and it's a broad issue we know that and we know that it it gives some people heartburn because they feel like it opens the program too much. Well, you know, I talked to him. His specialty is physical medicine and rehabilitation. So he's a he's a physician um who deals with basically back pain every day, all day. And I asked him about that issue about about chronic pain and uh and how he how he's dealt with it over the years and the story he told me was in, it was in, insane. When he got out of medical school, he's younger, he's 2 years younger than me. When he got out of medical school, the first thing they did to get him through his residency was they put him in the VA clinic. And it was about the same time that all of the sales folks were out pushing Oxycontin. And he said, you know, it was almost as if Oxycontin was a vitamin, the way they were selling it. And he said the way that they were pushing it was also, you know... If you didn't prescribe this for your patients with pain, or with whatever they were suffering with, you know, depression, whatever. And he did treat depression, but mostly pain. Um, that you were a good doctor, you know. That's kind of that's kind of yeah. what they approached him with. And then he, he told me that he literally went to um, and, and everybody knows how the pharmaceutical industry works, and they have sales reps, and they 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 dine them and wine them and dine them and all that kind of stuff. And that's I, that's fine. I mean, but but some of the stuff they were pushing at that time was, was, was criminal. And he went to a lunch and this sales, uh, uh, this particular sales rep gave him some fentanyl and said, you should just try it, you know, just try it out. It works really well or something like that. And he was just like, what is going on? I mean, the fact that they can, they were walking around with samples. You only take one microgram. Yeah. Just take, exactly. And so he, um, he said that, you know, what's happening is that as he was prescribing it, people were getting tolerances. So it just getting more and more and he said it was getting to the point where he was having to put percocet on top of Oxycontin in order for them to get relief. And he finally just you know started complaining and said, this is this is wrong.'ve we've, we've just created a bunch of addicts. Sure. So he titrated all of his patients off of it and stopped prescribing it hundred percent. And to this day, he doesn't. He he doesn't make it part of his practice unless it's absolutely necessary. Sure. But you know, that's what happened, and that whole yeah. group of physicians were pushed in that in that direction. We all know the results of that. And so, you know, half the time, or probably more than that, uh, if someone can get relief another way, in an alternative way, a not addictive way, um, you know, less in, intoxicant way, um, non-addictive way, particularly. They should have that opportunity
0: absolutely mm. yeah and in the, the fact of the matter is is it, the real gateway drug is oxycontin, right It is those prescription medications that leave you feeling well, I need more, I need more yeah. next thing you know, right you're you're at you know fentanyl or heroin, right There's just a misconception because I was telling David like everybody thinks of, right um what what's the uh, woodstock when they think about marijuana and the reality is maybe they were onto something right who knows <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i still remember yeah. I, I still remember the crazy movie reefer madness and I, I you know and you know that's still the narrative i think sure. in people's yeah. heads and and um so part of what we're we're doing and and with with your help and david and i and 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 our the rest of our team is we're just trying to change the narrative so people don't look at it in that way they look at it as as a a real alternative you know medication for people that that some people can get some relief from absolutely yeah okay well thanks guys thank you appreciate it thank you for joining me today on this episode of the state house podcast today's show is made possible through a generous donation from my friends at air wellness Air Wellness is one of the most innovative and fastest growing vertically integrated U.S. multi state cannabis operators. The company's mission is to drive positive impact for their patients, their customers, their employees, and the communities they serve. For more information, please visit airwellness.com. That's A Y R wellness.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In addition, consider subscribing on Apple and Spotify, where you can leave us a five-star review. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find those links below in the show notes. As always, thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next time.